right to championship. Loved by many, hated by a few, respected by all, second to none. Second to none. But this time, this week, well, as you know, this is April 29th. And what we're going to be doing today, and just for today only, we are going to be doing a sports show. A sports show. Why a sports show? Because you guys thought that I couldn't do anything else but talk politics. But you know what I am about and what it's always about when I'm doing is uplifting people throughout these United States. That's what makes us united because we all have the same the same concerns. And one of those concerns that we have is making sure that once we get past all of this drama that divides us, that we can come together with some things that unite us. So that being said, wait a minute, hold on. Let me slow my road. Let me slow my road. Some folks have also said that you have nothing but men, nothing but men talking sports. So that being said, what we decided to do was go out with intentionality, go out and, yes, go out and seek out a way in which we can play on a level playing field. So that being said, Angelo, I know you got the Women's Football League thing uh, up, right? And I, I know you also have some of the, the NFL players. That I, I want you to play that drop at some time today as well. But over in uh, Mansfield, Texas, they have a Women's Football League. And today, well, they're, well, they're playing football again today. So Angelo, uh, well, he got in touch with uh, one of our, uh, well, one of our partners, Jazz Cliff Radio. And they put together this, uh, well, they put together this drop. So Angelo, let's play that drop, and then we'll hook up uh, with the uh, NFL players drop, and then we'll come back and we'll pony up and talk to you about sports. The WFA. In sports and the BTC Sports Network. Boom, baby! That team got to bring you women's professional football as the Arlington Impact go up against the Oklahoma City Lady Force. Saturday, April 29th at 6 p.m. Live from R.L. Anderson Stadium. And you can catch all the hard-hitting, fast-paced women's professional football by listening on TuneIn. Radio Garden, Get Me Radio, and on Alexa by saying, Alexa, star BGC Sports Network. And you can also listen at bgcsports.net. Live from R.L. Anderson Stadium, it's Impact versus Lady Force. Brought to you by the WFA, Front End Sports, and the BGC Sports Network. Get your season passes today at Arlington Impact Football. Hello out there. My name is Byron Williams, former NFL player. I'm with the NFL Players Association, and when I'm not in the community, I'm listening to Mr. Ed Gray, the commish. All right, that's right. He's listening uh, to Ed Gray, the commission, and a lot of other people are listening to Ed Gray, the commission as well, and that's the reason why we have today. And uh, we want this to be an ongoing series, and when we get our guests to come on, we'll ask them whether or not they could hang out with us actually in the studio. Actually in the studio. Uh, Byron's been on the studio, been in the studio uh, as a former NFL player. He's been here, brought some football players here as well. And I've had the opportunity to talk to uh, several athletes this past week. Well, yeah, this week. I've been talking to the Michaels. I know you thought I was going to say Michael Jordan or Mike Tyson. No, I know I wasn't doing that. I talked to uh, 
well, Michael Carter of SMU uh, and also of the Olympics and his his daughter, Michelle Carter. I will uh, be interviewing them uh, next month. I can't believe next month. It's May. And I also talked to uh, Michael Williams, formerly of uh, Carter High School and uh, Baylor University and the Detroit Pistons. He won a championship, basketball championship with the Detroit Pistons. Well, been talking to him uh, this week as well. All sports this weekend. All sports this week. But one of the people I talked to was uh, Alex Glover. Is she on? All right, let's, let's put online. Alex. Yes. You hit the, well, there you are. You know what? You need to be right here beside me talking sports and everything. What's going on? <clears throat> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Pony up. Pony up. So, Pony uh, up. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, so I'm a graduate student and a volleyball player here at SMU in Dallas. Um, this is my fifth year. I got an extra COVID year, so I'm super blessed to be here to finish out my career and, you know, get an extra year that everybody wasn't granted. So I love being in Dallas. I love sports. I love SMU. And another one of my passions is content creation. So I think that I'm going to start my career path in maybe sports broadcasting or sports media. So I'm super excited to dive in and explore that. Sounds great. Sounds great. Now, we got together uh, after my connection in Life After Ball uh, could you tell them about what Life After Ball is about? Yeah, Life After Ball is a super great opportunity that all of us athletes at SMU have. It kind of helps with the transition with Life After Ball, as it's called. So basically, you know, we spend a lot of our time um, on the court and in the classroom, and a lot of times we don't have those opportunities to have the nine-to-five internship over the summer. So we have extra people and everybody's hands-on with, with helping us figure out what we're going to do after we graduate if our next step isn't, you know, going to the NFL, the NBA, or playing professional volleyball in my case. Professional volleyball. Now, what, what position did you hold? Uh, I'm a middle hitter, but I will not play professional volleyball, although there is a couple leagues in America now. It's just not what I want to do for my next step. What do you want to do? I want to do sports broadcasting or something in sports media. I really, I'm not, although I've been here for five years, I can't quite let volleyball and sports go. So I want to be in the sports world and help out and be a woman in sports. Well, one of the things I wanted to do as well is have a sports show right here. And you just happen to just fall right where we need you at. We, we, we talked about entertainment, sports, politics, and news. And when I said, well, we're going to have uh, someone calling in talking about sports, Angelo was like, well, really? Oh, that's, that's good. Angelo, you keep up with sports? You, you keep up with it a little bit, don't you? Uh, a little bit. He keeps up with it a little bit. <laughs> He keeps up with it enough to talk about it. He's a guy. Most guys do that. So that's what you want to do. And you're going to be here this entire summer? Or are you going anywhere else? I'll be – well, we have a international trip with the volleyball team, which is super exciting. It's the first time we've done it at SMU. So we're traveling to Europe for 10 days at the end of May. But after that, I'll be here all summer. Okay. Well, hey, once you come back in May, at the end of May – Come back and holler at me and everything. Now uh, I will. 
you sent over a clip earlier. Uh, Angelo, did you receive that clip? You did? Okay, let's put the clip on so everyone could see how your skills are off the volleyball court. Hi, my name is Alex, and I'm here at the Moody Coliseum. I finally got the great opportunity to interview Alexis, and we're going to ask her some questions today. So my first one is, how did you get into reporting? So I started reporting in college. I started with sports. Sports was really cool, and then I just kind of stayed consistent with it, and here I am today still in the business. Yeah, so what does your day-to-day -day life kind of look like? Cool, okay, it's a long day. Um, I usually start at 9 a.m. We have a morning meeting. I pitch story ideas, then we'll discuss what's the best thing, who has the most interest, how will it impact our community that we serve, and then I'll go do my interviews, I'll shoot the video, and then I'll come back, write a script, um, and then I'll edit it together, send it to the newscast, and then I'll write a script for the web team, and post it on social media, and then I finally get to rest. Okay. And if you had to give any advice to someone who wanted to be a reporter, what would it be? Um, best advice I could say is be consistent, work hard, and make sure you're always practicing your craft, whether it's in front of the mirror or you're just out shooting on your phone with your friends. Perfect. Thank you, Alexis. All right. That was a great job. Great job. Great job, Alex. So what have you been doing this week? Um, this week, I've actually been off. I did a little bit of traveling, so I just came back from Jamaica. I haven't been able to take a trip since I'm in the master's program. We didn't get a spring break, and I didn't really get to go anywhere after season. So I did go to Jamaica this week, and I've been watching the draft after that. That's been, you know, my highest priority. Well, it's been a, a lot of people's highest priority, <laughs> the NFL yeah. draft. What, what do you think about the uh, NFL draft? Who? Who picked, who picked what? Who, who? Tell me about it and tell the folks. Yeah, so, I mean, the number one draft pick was no surprise to anyone. It was Bryce Young, who is the Heisman Trophy winner. He went to the Carolina Panthers, and um, he was undersized. But what I really love about him is his rare poise. He never really gets overwhelmed or makes any mental errors. And I think this could be because of his parents. You know, his dad is a mental health therapist, and his mom is a teacher. And I think that's one of the key components that is really going to set him over the other quarterbacks that were also drafted. So the Panthers are 31st in total quarterback rating. So I think that he can really help them out here. Okay. Now, uh, Anthony Richardson, I'm, I'm, I'm quite fond of that name. That's a family name. Tell me uh, what happened with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Anthony Richardson went fourth to the Colts, um, another quarterback in the top five, third quarterback, actually, to go. He's from Florida, and um, he has very high potential. That's what I've been seeing about him, and his speed is really good, but one of the worries about him is his inconsistent game tape, which, honestly, personally, I don't think that he's going to run into any issues in the fact that he has high potential, and I think that during training camp, he's really going to grow. Now, how many quarterbacks were chosen in the first round? Um, I'm not sure how many quarterbacks were chosen in the first round, but I know that there were three in the top five. Top, okay, that's pretty good right there in itself. Yes. So who, yes. who was the third? The third was Anthony Richardson, but the second one was C.J. Stroud. 
and he went to the Houston Texas Texans. How do you think Houston's going to do with CJ? Um, I think he, he's going to do pretty good. You know, he has good timing and he's super smooth. The Texans are also pretty low in quarterback rating coming in at 29th. So I think they can also use him right off the bat. Um, the one concern about him was his low S2 score. But I think that he's pretty confident that about how, um, how quick and how accurate he can be on the football field. So I don't think that he's going to run into any issues. And I think that was just kind of something that's, going to have to be weeded out. Now, that being said, the Cowboys, we want to stay in Texas, and Houston is, you know, down the road from us. How did the Cowboys do in the draft? I thought the Cowboys had some great early picks um, on day one and day two, their first pick at Mazzy Smith. I think he was excellent and super impressive. He's a defensive tackle, and, I mean, everyone knows the saying, defense wins championships. His pros are his size, his strength, and athleticism, and his quickness. And I think another thing that really impressed the Dallas Cowboys was his character. Everyone kept talking about how it was such a great fit from his 30 visit, and I think he is so excited to be with the Dallas Cowboys, and it is matched on the other side. So the only thing that I saw maybe could be a weakness was his weight. He's coming in at 323 pounds, but he also, when he came into college, he lost 50 pounds coming into the weight room. So I think if they did want to shave a couple of pounds off, it wouldn't be too hard for him. 320 pounds. And yes. That's a weight issue? I mean, they were saying maybe just a, a little bit too big, but I, I, I don't see it becoming an issue. He is 6'3". He has a great size. Okay, okay. Now, give me a rundown on the other cowboy picks. Because I know and we have people, people are listening in and looking in and want to know what you feel about the Cowboys. They say, we don't care about Houston. It's Houston. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, in round two, they had pick 58, and they chose the Michigan tight end, Luke Schoonmaker. Um, some of his pros is that he has quality pass catching skills, and he's super athletic. But one of the things that they did say that they wanted to work on when he gets on the field is his strength for blocking, which needs a little bit of improvement. And then in round three, we had pick 90, and this is a linebacker from Texas. So I'm super excited to see him play. You know, it's always super great being able to play in your home state and uh, kind of having the city on your back. So that is DeMarvin Overshone, and he was the top 18% of all linebackers drafted over the past 36 years, his RAS score was. So, I mean, that is impressive within itself. And at Texas, he allowed zero touchdowns and 332 coverage snaps. That, that is amazing. Now, where are you from? I'm from Houston. So, uh, see, I also love see, to so when I said Houston, So, when I said Houston, you groaned when I said Houston. I said, that's Houston. Nobody cares about that in Dallas. <laughs> yes, but I mean, honestly, I must say I have grown to love all Dallas teams since I've been here the past five years. In the top five years, huh? Well, we would definitely want yeah. to keep you around. Now, you were talking about quarterback ratings. and Explain to us what, a, what is a quarterback rating? Um, a quarterback rating is, I think it's a passing rating. Mm-hmm. So that is um, something that when I was looking at it, 
also the Aaron Rodgers trade came up That's when what, looking at that was a segue I was going into. That's exactly yes. you took the words right out of my mouth. Did they improve by having Aaron Rodgers be with the Jets, and and how did it improve the quarterback rate? That was great because that's exactly where I was going at. Go ahead. Oh, for for sure, a huge improvement. I mean, the old quarterback was Zach Wilson, and he had the worst passer rating in the NFL in back to back seasons, and that hasn't happened since 1958. This is not something that should be kind of shoved under the rug. That's a pretty huge deal. And on top of that, they've missed playoffs for 12 straight seasons. So I think that the Aaron Rodgers trade going to the New York Jets from the Green Bay Packers is, I mean, I think it's pivotal in their, how their future is going to go. So you think they'll make the playoffs this year? I do. I do think that, I mean, having the worst passer rating and back-to-back seasons, that is one of the main components and driving components of a team. You cannot have a great team without a great quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers is the person that can come in and kind of turn that around. All right. Now, do you think Dak Prescott is a great quarterback? I do. I do think that Dak Prescott is a great quarterback, and I've seen that a lot of people were upset that he didn't get more help in those early picks at right receiver and get improved protection, but I honestly thought our route on choosing more defensive players was pivotal because we've been 20, 22nd in run defense this past year, and that definitely needs to improve. So defense wins championships, and I love how we focus on defense early on. Okay. All right. Well, Angelo's right here beside me. Angelo, you have any questions? Angelo's just completely, completely astounded by how you covered that draft. I know he didn't expect <laughs> that like that. Look, I, when it comes to – I told you, I'm not too, too well-versed in all the sports statistics. But did she run that, that down stuff. to you? Oh, like she – yeah. She – yeah, absolutely. Ran oh. it down perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. And plus, I don't like to speak too much on uh, who my NFL team is because then, you know, that's when I start losing friends and, and then, you know, I start getting, <laughs> you know. Oh, it must not be a Dallas thing. <laughs> it must not be a Dallas thing. No, it's the complete opposite. The the complete, complete opposite. Oh, you're a Washington Commander? Yeah, Washington. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Washington Commander? <laughs> I don't understand it, folks. We have to lay hands on him. <laughs> <laughs> see that there we go. See, I'll just not talk about sports anymore. There, there we go. <laughs> now you know why. Now I know why. Now I know why. Well, Alex, I appreciate it. Uh, and we definitely want you to come into the studio. Uh, we just want to go ahead and do this and make this a, a your inaugural, if you will, uh, radio program here. And, and thank you for joining the uh, Commission Radio Show team. You're one of the latest of the interns we've had here as well. We've had some interns that became uh, lawyers and and uh, things of that nature, uh, but we wanted to go ahead and open it up uh, other fields of communication, and I think, hey, that pretty well does it right there when we cover sports. You, you have any parting words for us? I don't. I don't. Thank you for having me today. All right. Thank you. We'll be uh, hollering at you very soon. All right? Perfect. Thank you. All right, then. Take care, then. Bye-bye. All right, Commiss Radio Show back again doing sports this time around. Sports this time around, letting everyone know that, yes, we can do sports, but also 
keeping true with what we are about on this show. And what we're about on this show is always giving somebody an opportunity to uh, move up, uh, as we would say in, in, in boxing terms, move up a weight division uh, because, well, you know, we, in order to be a champion, you have to go to the top. So you have to constantly and consistently fight to go to the top. So that's what we're about. Uh, Life After Ball, SMU, uh, where I've ponied up for several years and helping people, uh, well, helping people at SMU to, to get ahead, but also helping all of us to uh, realize that there's somebody out there, at least a couple of people out there that answer your call and say, hey, look, can you help a brother out? Can you help a sister out? We're ready to go with that. We're going to play some more of our saxophonic uh, music. Uh, Joyce Spencer, as we talk about on this radio podcast again, we want to give people an opportunity to uh, be heard, uh, give voice to the voiceless. And uh, Joyce Spencer, uh, uh, we play her music because it's local music and also because Facebook can't block us because we own the rights to this music because the artists themselves have contributed to this show. We're going to play that, and we're going to bail out, and when we come back, we'll talk about some, well, we'll talk about some politics and social justice. So thank you for listening in to the Commission Radio Show Sports Edition. Angelo. Yes, sir. Play the music.
the championship loved by many, hated by few, respected by all, second to none, second to none. And this time around, we're coming back to give you a, a weekly update on what's going on in these United States of America. The only thing united about the United States is the name. We've been going back and forth for the last couple of years with what is going on. But this time around, we're going to go back to move forward. Let's lower us down with the music. I think everybody knows that I'm here. But now I want to talk about somebody who is no longer here. That is Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte, rest his soul, just recently passed away. He died at the age of 96 years old. 96 years old. I hope to live that long. 96 years old. Almost 100 years old. Just think about what Harry Belafonte has seen in his lifetime. What he saw in his lifetime is everything from racism uh, and Jim Crow to Martin Luther King to Barack Obama and, yes, to the present-day situation that we are living in, as I stated before, these United States of America. Now, Harry Belafonte... I never met him, but my mother, she said she saw him. She said he's a nice-looking man, and I just remember Harry Belafonte from uh, those black exploitation movies. They called them black exploitation movies. I was quite fond of them. You can call them what you want to call them. But I like Buck and the Preacher. Look, look that one up. You know, look that one up, Buck and the Preacher. Uh, I liked uh, his way he sung Calypso music. I like that. I also like the fact that he, along with Sidney Poitier, was some of the people who marched with Martin Luther King and also gave their lives and their fortunes to the civil rights struggle. See, Harry Belafonte to me is much more than just somebody such as Geechee Dan Buford in Uptown Saturday Night. I like that movie too. But he's also somebody who did something that was uncommon. Harry Belafonte was a friend of the Martin Luther King family. He's one of those rare people who could always find themselves in Dr. King's living room playing with Dr. King's children. Yep, that's Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte was the person, as Bernice King once said, paid their babysitter money. Just imagine, someone's babysitting you and Harry Belafonte is also paying that babysitter. That's how close Harry Belafonte, Mr. Belafonte was to the Martin Luther King family and also to the civil rights struggle. Yep, very potent indeed. 1963, Dr. King led the March on Washington, and who was one of the speakers at that rally? It was Harry Belafonte, much more than a movie star, much more than a Calypso singer, much more than an Emmy Award winner, much more than a Grammy Award winner, much more than a Tony Award winner, much more than an Oscar winner. He was a humanitarian. 
He spoke at the March on Washington and also played an integral part in in the 1960s civil rights struggle. You remember back in 1963? Well, perhaps you don't because you weren't around. But let me tell you, in 1963, when Birmingham, they well, they, as we would say in Texas, sick the dogs on those protesters and put the water hoses on them. Dr. King was arrested for that. And who bailed him out of jail? Well, Harry Belafonte, 1967. They arrested Dr. King for something that occurred in 1963. It was a warrant for his arrest. In October of 1967, the last time that Martin Luther King was arrested, he did four days in jail, and then I believe Harry Belafonte bailed him out. I'm, I'm not sure on how many days in jail, but I am sure that Harry Belafonte bailed him out. That's Harry Belafonte. Harry Belafonte in 1966 and 1965 consistently and constantly gave to those people who were marching for voting rights. He did that. He put his money where his mouth was. So let's go back in time to the 1960s. Angelo, I believe you have that clip of Harry Belafonte, 1960s. You know, it's a long time with some black and white. So let's take a look at the clip. All right, shall we? I don't believe that because a man is black, he's right, or that he has any right to office or position based upon his color. But I do feel very strongly about the fact that great men have been disenfranchised for a long time and have not been able to sit in high places politically or on other levels because of color. But this has had great psychological ramifications, not only for the Negro community who has had many reversals over the last couple of years because the racism which permeates American life from top to bottom in, the, in, in very subtle ways and in very aggressive, obvious ways, uh, uh, the Negro has paid a terrible price for this, but somehow uh, you'll find that racism in its subtlest and its most uh, evil sense has worked its way deep into the, in, in, into, the, into the fiber of the hearts and minds of many men and women. And with this going on, it has had its incredible influence on my own life. I was born in the ghetto. My mother was a domestic worker. Domestic worker. And when I think about Harry Belafonte's mother being a domestic worker, I think about my own grandmother being a domestic worker as well. And that is the commonality that we have had, myself and Harry Belafonte. See, we, we are one generation away from the way it was. One generation away from the way it was. But imagine an America in which the, well, imagine an America in which the roles were reversed. The roles were reversed. Imagine an America in which black people were the dominant culture oppressing white people. In the 1990s, Harry Belafonte and, well, <laughs> Well, we got that clip right now. John Travolta 
Yep, Harry Belafonte and John Travolta were in a movie together called A White Man's Burden. And A White Man's Burden gave a way in which people could look at America through a different lens than the lens that it looks through today. So let's go back and let's play that clip. Harry Belafonte and John Travolta. From the producers of Pulp Fiction comes one of the most powerful films of the year. Louis Pinnock is a hard-working man, struggling to provide for his family. How's my baby girl? But the cards are stacked against him. It's gonna be better. Barriers still exist. The next time you have something delivered here to the house, could you send someone other than the fellow you sent by today? But in this world, the roles are reversed. White people are genetically inferior. I can't keep you on anymore. Finally? So when Lewis is unfairly fired from his job... Well, tell him that I, I just lost my job at the factory and I need, to, I need to talk to him. It's important. I don't get involved in these matters. He decides to get even the only way he knows how. You know who I am. That's what this is about. This drink is Now you want to help me. Now I've got a gun. You got all the time in the world. Now put your head in the dance. HBO Home Video presents John Travolta and Harry Belafonte in White Man's Burden. Now. That being said, I want to say right now that I want you to go out and do me a favor and do Harry Belafonte a favor and do all of us that are interested in pursuing human rights and social justice a favor and make this a way in which you can have a teachable moment, if you will, and realize how things are unfair in these United States of America. This is an intersectionality of, well, protest and also the arts. And that is what Harry Belafonte's life was about. Civil rights activists, human rights activists, and artists. So to the Belafonte family and to all of those who loved and admired Harry Belafonte, we say rest in peace, Harry Belafonte. Thank you for listening in to the Commission Radio Show. And we will see you back next week. Thank you. Hey, how you doing? This is Ed Gray of the Commission Radio Show. Stay tuned and tune in and be up to speed on everything in social justice, human rights, and politics on the Commission Radio Show, airing every Saturday, 5 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network. Jump in. Thank <laughs> you.